Hello everyone and welcome back to Hoops Weekly. I'm your host, Yoni Golomb, and it's been a minute. It's been three weeks, but we're back. And um, the NBA season is going to be back soon in about 10 days, so I think we're all excited for that. A lot's going to change, especially with the podcast. Most likely going to be moving forward to uh, kind of weekly analyzing the game and actually what happened during the games because we could now get updated data which is a lot better than kind of just picking out stuff from the past and uh, i'd very much like to do that moving forward so i hope that comes out in a positive way and yeah today we're actually doing another ranking um podcast which uh in this one we're going to be ranking the 10 mvps of the 2010s so from 2010 to 2019 we don't know the 2020 mvp i think it's most likely going to be honest factoring in the lebron james age factor um that's obviously a conversation for another time i don't even think there will be an mvp because like the soccer league uh took out their ballon d'or which is uh their mvp basically so i wonder what they're going to do around that but yeah moving on to the actual topic Let's get started. At number 10, we have the 2011 MVP, the youngest MVP of all time, Derrick Rose. Take note that this record might very well be broken by players like Luka Doncic or Zion Williamson, but we'll just have to wait and see. This season, Derrick Rose averaged 25 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists a game, and the Bulls were actually able to finish first in the Eastern Conference after a year that they finished 10th um my bad 8th which is a very very big shock and a very big upset for other teams i'm pretty sure a lot of that had to do with um just a different team set of basketball you see trends with teams like the warriors where they just switched the coach and he put the players in a system that they were better fit into and positive stuff coming positive things started coming out of it which i think happened with the chicago bulls since they finished 62 and 20 that season and were heavy title contenders just saying for this whole thing we're not factoring in playoffs because then essentially lebron james would be in contention or would win for would win one through four for every year that he won mvp in so i don't agree with that factor because this is simply regular season mvp i think they should incorporate a playoff mvp because there's players like Kawhi leonard that should have been granted a lot more Or players like LeBron James in 2015 who dominated the playoffs but didn't really get anything. Or LeBron in 2018. I think that's definitely something they should incorporate. But this is strictly regular season. Take note that all of these MVPs are phenomenal. It was really hard to rank. And I couldn't say one is really better than the other in many situations. But essentially they did have to be ranked. And there, you really can't be any bias into it, considering no Toronto Raptors won the MVP ever, actually. So, yeah, Derrick Rose sits at 10th. I think that his stats, compared to the others, are kind of subpar. He had a really good team surrounding him, don't get me wrong. Joakim Noah, Luol Deng was an all-star. Uh, Carlos Boozer. But, like, these players weren't heavy scorers. And Luca, sorry, Luol Deng was definitely kind of a controversial pick for the All-Star game, in my opinion. Wasn't a really star factor. He kind of played like Chris Middleton, and that doesn't really give you give off that All-Star vibe. At least, like, that's the way that I saw it. 
So I think he definitely could have done more on the scoring end. And a player with his athleticism probably should have gotten more rebounds. Obviously, I'm not complaining. These stats are terrific. But you could see that the the MVP stature, as scoring went up, the competition was definitely a lot higher. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff to factor into these. So Derrick Rose sits at number 10. At number 9, we have the 2015 MVP in Steph Curry. Stephen Curry this season averaged 24 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists, so one less point than Derrick Rose. The Warriors finished first in the Western Conference with a 67-15 and record, and again, bringing up that topic of like that coach's change, the Warriors altered or changed their lineup from uh, Mark Jackson coaching to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, with his intelligent mind, obviously playing for the Bulls with that triangle offense, did his thing. He changed some stuff around, and the Warriors went from a 50-win team to a 60-win team. They went from a team that's maybe that maybe will finish mid mid uh, playoff conference, which is like fourth or fifth seed, to a team that's like a guaranteed first seed, a team that everyone kind of got scared of. And this is the team that won the championship that year. And I think personally, stats-wise, I think what really separates this 2015 season from his Steph Curry's other MVP season is definitely the scoring and the offensive uh, productivity, actually including the defense. In 2015, he didn't have Draymond Green as an all-star or a very valuable scorer. Klay Thompson was scoring less and was a less developed player offensively. I think he could have taken more advantage on the scoring end, but he was obviously kind of building it up for the next season where he became like the biggest name in sports. Um, the reason why Steph Curry ranks over Derrick Rose they had similar roles on their teams, considering that the rest of their team were all-stars. Klay Thompson was kind of like Luol Deng, where he wasn't. He was an all-star, but he was like borderline all-star. So I do believe that Steph Curry is a good place at 9, just because the Warriors did finish with a better record than the Bulls in the Western Conference. And I think that was really the tiebreaker here. At number 8, we have the 2012 LeBron James. Now, before anyone thinks I'm hating on him or this is really biased, hear me out. LeBron James averaged 27 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists a game, which is actually his worst statistical MVP season. The Heat finished second in the Eastern Conference to the Chicago Bulls to a season that was cut short by 16 games. They finished 46-20, and 20, which leads me to believe that they probably would have finished around 57-25. and 25. And to be honest, that just doesn't live up to LeBron James's stature, especially being one of the only players on this list that actually finished second in the conference that year. That shouldn't be a big impact, but on a team that was that good, I mean, I'm pretty sure they should have beat the Bulls, but LeBron isn't really a regular season player. He obviously shows up a lot bigger in the playoffs and, you know, prevents every other team in the East from winning. But again, a different topic. A big reason why I put him at eighth is because the season got cut short. And that's literally the same argument to saying Zion Williamson shouldn't win Rookie of the Year because John Moran played the full season and Zion played 20 games. It's just stuff like that that you have to factor in. I think LeBron is less deserving because a lot could have happened in 16 games. A lot of stats could have changed, could have gone up, could have gone down. And yeah, that gives me reason to believe that. I should put him at 8 because it was a great season. He won the championship. But the reason... but. Since he got cut short, I don't think I should give him as much recognition as people think. Because he obviously did a better job with his two other MVP seasons during that decade. 
at the number seven spot, we actually have 2017 Russell Westbrook. Statistic-wise, this was a triple-double season. He averaged 31 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists a game. It should be number one. But the Thunder finished sixth in the Western Conference, lost in the first round, which again wasn't considered but had to be added, and finished with a 47-35 and record in the Western Conference. Russell Westbrook was the first MVP in NBA history that didn't finish in the first in the top three seeds of his conference to even win the MVP. The, the Thunder were not a good team. The whole game would just be based off of Russell Westbrook, regardless of the fact that he got 42 triple doubles that season. It doesn't change the fact that he was a ball hog. He played for himself. His team was really bad. And he's, he's practically the only reason. He's the definition of most valuable player. Because if this guy wasn't on the floor, this Thunder team probably would have been the worst team in the league. Top two, top three worst teams in the league. And the sixth seeded finish and the under 50 record is really what pushes him back to seventh. That's kind of like the minimum maximum I put him in. Like That's really like kind of catching me in the middle. All these other MVPs were successful. They all led their teams to great feats. So this Russell Westbrook is kind of a forgettable season for many. People expected the Thunder or an MVP to be able to carry his team a lot farther. But the way he played, the way he plays still, doesn't really lead teams very far because he's not much of a team player. He plays a lot for himself, which is why a lot of people thought this Houston Rockets thing wouldn't work. But yeah, regardless of the fact, this is a beautiful season. For an end for a Thunder fan, I guess to remember. Um, for some NBA fans that season, because he produced a lot of highlights and was probably one of the biggest names in sports because he made history. But you just can't deny that that sixth place finish by the Thunder has to kind of put a dent in his resume somehow. And he just showed that he can't do it alone. Something that a lot of these MVP players showed that they can. Which is why I have to put him on number seven. No disrespect to Russell Westbrook, still a great player. At to the out now, uh, at number six, we have the 2010 MVP in LeBron James. This was LeBron's best statistical season, actually. He averaged 30 points, seven rebounds, and nine assists. The Cavs finished first in the Eastern Conference with a 61 and 21 record. But let me explain. This season had a really like heavy Russell Westbrook vibe. The Cavs played in the East. They had a terrible team, which is why which is why it was easier for LeBron to take over and kind of lead them to this. They lost in the second round to the Celtics. And the only reason LeBron did so well statistics-wise is because he played the Russell Westbrook method. He took everything upon himself. Every possession had to be led by him. If he wasn't on the floor, the team sucked. They were terrible. I'm assuming he led the league in minutes for a while during his career this season probably spiked it up a lot listen don't get me wrong this is very 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 impressive to look at however you have to consider the fact that he literally had no one on that team whereas you have a lebron that averaged 27 points eight rebounds and six assists in 2012 you, you know, with players like Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh on his team. Obviously, with those stats, you can't just like you can't just not put him high enough. You have to put him around the middle. However, I do believe that some some things do have to be looked at, and some things do have to be further analyzed, and kind of you have to kind of dig a deeper hole when you're looking at stuff like this because it's not just stats. 
and essentially it's not just he, it's not just how good the team did. The players on that team were terrible. The second best player was Mo Williams, who was averaging 15 points a game. He was not a reliable second option because he was inconsistent and couldn't really take over games as a point guard. A lot of stuff had to get run by LeBron James. I just don't think I could put him in the top five for that reason. If Mo Williams was a 20 point player, uh, 20 uh, points per game player, that was an all-star and could actually be a reliable source of offense, kind of like Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving, then LeBron James would have been in the top three because this is a phenomenal season. But considering the fact that he didn't really have teammates that can do much, I mean, there's only, there's only, you can only go so high. But just remember that we have another LeBron. That's just how good he is. At the number five spot, we actually have the most recent MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo in 2019. Yes, this season Giannis averaged. Giannis averaged 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists a game. And if that's not impressive enough for a 6'11 power forward, the Bucks finished first in the Eastern Conference with a 60-22 and record with competition like Toronto, Philadelphia, and Boston. This is pretty impressive. I can't lie. The Bucks were probably looked at as the best team in the league. They had the best record in the league, which is kind of embarrassing because 16-22 is usually around second or third best in the league. But, I mean, you can't deny that 60-win record is not impressive. Listen, there's not much things I could say that are bad about Giannis Antetokounmpo's season, but the competition just gets so heavy at this point that you, you can't ignore it. I think the record does have something to do with it. The other players do have better records than he does. The stats are terrific. Again, 28 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists shows that he's a playmaker. He gets rebounds, plays defense, but can also put the ball in the net. He basically showed that he could do it all. And yeah, for that matter, he is in the top five. I think because he's in the East and because 75% of the East is very, very easy competition and because the Bucks were and because the Bucks actually finished with somewhat of a lower record than the other teams, I had to throw him in here. But yeah, full respect for Giannis. He's going to go back to back. This MVP season, I think, was one of the most impressive seasons we've actually seen in the past 30 years. And if that would have been on this list, it would have been contention for number one. But I think Giannis is in a good place here in 2019. At number four, we have James Harden in 2018. Let's get into it. James Harden starts putting up impressive stats every season. I think that his 2017 campaign might have been more impressive than this one. I think 2019 might have been more impressive. But the one thing that really outshines all the other ones is that Chris Paul really took a leadership role here and really kind of helped James Harden develop into more of a playmaking guard and more of a point guard type of player which is weird because a lot of people don't really think of chris paul's time in houston as kind of time worthy but 2018 they really looked interesting they finished first in the west with a 64 and 18 record chris paul was averaging around 20 and 10 a game james harden averaged 30 points five rebounds and nine assists per game the team success was there the rockets were the best team in the league everything was going well for this team um, until they lost in the conference finals. This was just a really fun team to watch. They were beating the Warriors. They were better than the Warriors. Clint Capella was definitely helping on the offensive and defensive end, being a 10-10 player consistently. James Harden's stats are amazing. Again, so, again, once you get in the top five, there's not much there's not a lot of bad stuff that you could say. Just that I guess this time the stats is what 
stop James Harden from being in the top three. But again, number four is a very respectable spot. James Harden is still one of the best offensive players in the history of basketball. But we have to move on to the top three. At number three, we have 2014 Kevin Durant. Let's get into it. This was Kevin Durant's only MVP season. Despite him obviously being a top two, top three player in the NBA for basically the whole decade, I think he might be the best player in the NBA now when healthy. Listen, this season, he averaged 32 points, seven rebounds, and six assists a game. So you're telling me, first of all, he led the league by like five points a game. Carmelo Anthony was second with around 27 points a game. He, no one can guard him. This guy put up over 30 points a game. He put up seven rebounds, so he was playing defense, he was getting those boards, and he was a playmaker with six assists a game. How many people do you see averaging 30 points that can get over like five assists a game? That's very, very, very interesting for me to see, because Kevin Durant is not usually an offensive player. He doesn't really have those assists. If you look at his, if you look at his early stats, he averages like six or seven rebounds here, and then like three or four assists. It's kind of like those Kawhi Leonard-like stats, where he's not really looked at as a playmaker, but he really showed out here. And his time with the Warriors obviously developed him into a playmaker because everyone on the Warriors developed into a playmaker. The Thunder finished with a 59-23 and record, which was second in the West. The Spurs were first. But you see how them, the Thunder and the Bucks, had similar records. But the Bucks finished first, Thunder finished second. Although that's a small difference, it's a difference and should be acknowledged. There's not a lot of bad stuff I could say about this season from KD. Like, it was terrific. Russell Westbrook was great. Thunder were great. It was looking like they could win the championship after a rough 2013 season. I mean, end to the season in the playoffs. But, yeah, that's pretty much all I could say. I think if Kevin Durant was more of a defensive presence on the floor, then I could have put him ahead of the top three. But I think this is a great spot for him. At number two, we have the 2013 MVP, LeBron James. Let's get into it. The LeBron James most consistent and most effective season offensively and defensively actually and this is why I kind of put him here listen the Heat went on a 27 game winning streak which was the second best of all time first first were the Lakers in 72 I believe they won 33 games in a row which is insane but just to think 27 wins in a row and any game could have been could have been snapped like that that helped them finish with a 66 and 16 record and the first seed in the Eastern Conference, which actually was their only time finishing first in the Eastern Conference during LeBron's four years there, despite them definitely being the best team all four years. They won a championship, obviously against the Spurs. That was the most legendary finals of the modern era. And LeBron averaged a nice 27 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists. Now, considering that you have a player like Dwayne Wade averaging... 25 and 5 and a player like Chris Bosch who's averaging nearly 20 and 10. That's impressive. That is impressive That's what you're looking for in LeBron James in 2010 That's the difference between that 6 and 2 spot is that LeBron in 2010 had no one and LeBron in 2013 had a top 5 power forward and a top 5 shooting guard beside him But he was still able to produce those amazing stats. He was a terrific defender. He got steals. He got boards He got assists. He got blocks and he got points. Definitely slowed down the defensive end through the years, especially when he came to the Lakers. But I think he's just trying to protect his body and develop more of an offensive game, which he has, by the way. If LeBron's 2018 season um, 
was his MVP season, which I believe that should have been. It could have been number one. I believe he was robbed. But yeah, uh, you have to acknowledge how legendary he was here. This was LeBron's best season, I think, almost, not by far, but definitely, it definitely highlights his career a lot. Moving on, at number one, it's pretty obvious. There's no one that could beat this position. 2016, most famous player in the world, except for Kobe and LeBron, maybe. Stephen Curry. Yeah, jumped from number nine to number one in one season. That's pretty insane. He averaged 30 points, five rebounds, and seven assists a game. The Warriors finished first in the Western Conference. And because of that legendary 73-9 season, they started the season 24-0, which I think is the third best winning streak in the history of the NBA. So highlights for them. Listen, this team was phenomenal. They are the best regular season team of all time. And here, you can really talk about Stephen Curry's development. Because you had a player like Draymond Green, averaging around 15, 8, and 8. Then you had a player like Klay Thompson, who was averaging roughly 22 points, 22 points a game. Steph was still able, through the Warriors' team-based system, to average 30 points, 5 rebounds, which, he's only, which he is 6'2", by the way. And a lot weaker than players like Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook, so I don't expect those stats from him. And he managed to average 7 assists while scoring 30 points a game, so he was a playmaker. On top of that, he led the league in steals. A lot of people forget that. He led the league in steals. Obviously, he wasn't a blocker. There is no denying that Steph Curry just produced the most impressive offensive season in the history of basketball. It was just that amazing to watch. I think everybody fell in love with his game. Every team was kind of like, oh, oh, damn. That small ball thing is really working for them, eh? And it worked. A lot of teams transitioned into small ball after that 2016 season because they saw how successful they can be. So, yeah, Stephen Curry, congratulations. You are the number one MVP from the 2010s decade. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And peace out.